بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 10th of August in the year 2023 and after spending a few months going through the life of one of the great companions of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam to inshallah return once more to the most important subjects in the believer's life so to spend a good few nights again discussing a glimpse into the divine majesty and mercy so first of all mufti shafi rahmatullah alayh he said in ma'rifatul quran volume 5 page 562 to 3 of the english translation it will be noted that in this world the one from whom strength and support is received is sometimes firstly younger than one like children secondly sometimes an equal like a partner and thirdly sometimes older than one like a supporter and help here in this verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has refuted all three in the same order subhanallah so let's look at this so if you need help in the world there's three avenues you get it from mufti shafi says rahmatullah the strength and support the first place you receive strength and support is from somebody younger than yourself so everybody agrees somebody younger more strong healthier he will support or help you like children the second avenue from whom strength and support is received is sometimes an equal like a partner who helps you a partner in business and the third source from whom strength and support is received is sometimes older than you like a supporter and helper mufti shafi rahmatullah alayhi said in this verse allah taala has refuted all three in the same order which verse was he talking about the sacred verse which the learned mufti was referring to is the following surah bani israil surah 17 verse 111 Allah the Almighty and Glorious he says Wa qulil hamdulillahi alladhi lam yattakhidh walada wa lam yaqul lahu waliyyan wa lam yaqul lahu sharikun fil mulk wa lam yaqul lahu waliyyun min adh-dhul wa qabbirhu takbira Say Praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was neither taken to him a son nor is there any partner to him in his kingdom nor is anyone needed to protect him because of weakness those proclaim his greatness with an open proclamation look how beautiful all three avenues allah taala is telling you in this verse i don't need them what does he say first wa qul alhamdulillahi alladhi lam yattakhidh walada 
Praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has neither taken to him a son. Why? Because one of the means from whom strength and support is received is somebody younger than you. Children. He says, I don't need children. <laughs> then he says, nor is there any partner to him in his kingdom. The second source of help, your partner. I don't need a partner. Then he says, Nor is anyone needed to protect him because of weakness. I don't need anybody older. Then Allah says, Proclaim his greatness with an open proclamation. So look how beautiful. Allah gives you the answers in the Quran. Every avenue you need support and strength from, Allah negates it. I don't need it. Now what's interesting about that verse, it comes as no wonder to learn that our beloved messenger said about this verse. This is the verse of Izzah. This is the verse of the power and glory of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Tabarani, Tafsir Mazari, Ma'rifur Quran and Uds. Izza means honor and glory. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this verse, Surah 17, verse 111, is the verse of Izza. So it's given a title, meaning you need to reflect upon this verse. Now what's interesting, this verse, when recited, has a profound impact upon those who are in times of difficulty and distress. Abu Huraira, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Whenever I, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faced distress in an affair, Jibreel came to me, alayhi salatu wasalam, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say, Tawakkaltu ala al-hayy la yamut. I place my trust in the ever-living who will never die. Walhamdulillahilladhi lam Then he recited the verse. This is recorded in Tabarani. Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih. Tarheeb number 1558. So let's look at this. How often was Rasulullah facing difficulty and distress? Every day. He had the whole world literally on his shoulders. Sallallahu alayhi wa He had to you know, proclaim the message to the entire world. Every time, look what he's saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I face distress. Jibreel came to me. So how many times did he come to the Prophet? Your guess is as good as mine. Hundreds of times, thousands of times, tens of thousands of times. Each and every time. What did Jibreel say? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, say this. The first is a dua. Mm. I place my trust in the ever living who will never die. Then Jibreel told him to recite this last verse. Surah 17 verse 11. Alhamdulillah And the verse continues. Alhamdulillah so what is being taught in this Sahih Hadith? This verse alleviates or rids one of severe distress and difficulty. <laughs> Who was being taught that? Rasulullah by Jibreel by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So look how interesting is the verse of Izzah. You're not asking for anything. If you read the verse, all you're doing is you're proclaiming Allah's greatness. So if you look at it, how is that getting rid of my weakness? Because Allah loves it when you praise Him. You don't need to ask Him. And this is one of the ways to get rid of your, your needs. This was not just for Rasulullah. You could argue, maybe it was only for the Prophet Because there's another report. In Abu Ya'la, Ibn As-Sini, Tafsir Mazhari, Ma'arif al-Qur'an, volume 5, page 564 of the English translation. Abu Huraira radiyallahu he relates. I once went out with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with his blessed hand holding mine. We thereupon passed by a person who was disheveled and worried. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked, What has brought you to this condition? The person responded, Sickness and poverty have done this to me. So stop in the report. So look how close Abu Huraira radiallahu was to the Prophet He was holding his hand and they were walking together. They come across a man and what was his problem? Two problems. He was physically ill. Doesn't know what doesn't mention what illness, but he was very ill. And he was financially also in a straitened circumstance. <laughs> so what what is, is the the best of both worlds of beauty? The Prophet said. I am now going to inform you of a few words. If you recite these, your sickness and your poverty will be removed. Mm. The words were, and the last verse, of Surah Bani Israel. The report continues. Thereafter, after the passage of some time, when he وسلم, was passing that way again, he now found the condition of the same man good and showed his pleasure over it. The man thereupon said, Since the time you informed me وسلم, of those words, I have been reciting them punctually. <laughs> so what happened? The Prophet وسلم, told him what Jibreel told him. He goes, You say what I say when I'm in distress. So what happened? We don't know how much time passed. Abu Huraira didn't mention. Some time passed. Maybe a few days, weeks. Allah knows best. The same man. Now look at the condition. The Prophet saw him. He was pleased at his condition. He looked like a different person. You can tell when a person's ill and when he's not ill. You can tell when a person's, you know, got serious worries. And he, he hasn't got serious worries. When the, when the man saw the Prophet, he says, since you told me, I recited them punctually. Now what's interesting, does this report mention how many times? So all the man said, I've recited them punctually. Note in both the Sahih Hadith, there is no set limit for how many times this sacred verse and the dua should be recited. Thus one can recite it a little or a lot as he or she wishes. So some of the scholars, they state, you should recite it at least once in the morning and evening. Mm. But when you are afflicted, increase it. Mm. So instead of reciting it once, recite it 10 times in the morning, 10 times in the evening. Mm. Or once after every Fadr Salat. So you're increasing in it. Mm. The reason is there's no set limit. The man said, I recited them regularly. I got physically better and I've got financially better yet. He goes, Jazakallah khairan. Mm. Rasulullah was told to do it for himself. Mm. 
So now what's interesting, who actually afflicts you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the one who's afflicting you is telling you what to do. <laughs> because I've afflicted you. Now I'm going to give you the medicine. <laughs> I've made you ill. Here's the medicine. And Rasulullah passed it on to us. So note, it's not just the verse. The dua is, I place my trust in the ever-living who will never die. And then you say, And then you continue with the verse till the end. It thus comes as no surprise to them learn that Abu Musa who relates that our beloved messenger said whoever recites in the morning or evening Surah Al-Bani Israel Surah 17 verse 110 and 111 then his heart will not die that day or that night. So now the verse which comes before is mentioned. So the last verse is وَقُولِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَدَّخِذْ وَلَدَهِ And the verse before is قُلِدْ اللَّهِ So you say قُلِدْ اللَّهِ وَإِذْءُ الرَّحْمَانِ And then he continued till the end. If you recite this morning or evening, meaning once, you recite it in the morning, it's sufficient. You recite it in the evening, sufficient. Then your heart will not die that day or that night. Meaning Allah Ta'ala will protect you from any fitna and fasad. Your heart will be preserved. So note the verse prior to it also has a place as well. It thus comes as no surprise to learn that our beloved messenger Sallallahu would teach the infants of his extended family, the Banu Abdul Muttalib, this holy verse when they began to speak. They refer to Ibn Asim. So think about it. His extended family. Children, infants couldn't couldn't talk. As soon as they spoke, Rasulullah taught them this verse. How important is that? Rasulullah didn't even waste time that like you say. As soon as they learned, he goes, this verse, learn this verse. And another narration in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 1-373 mentions the verse is Surah Al-Furqan, Surah 25 verse 2, which is similar in meaning. So another hadith mentioned Surah 25 verse 2 was taught to the infants. If you look at the translation, it's virtually the same. Now what's the tragedy there? Look at how much Rasulullah wanted us to live a carefree life. He gave us the medicine immediately. We're fully grown, we don't do it. So first thing is, do we know? Has anybody told us this? The sunnah was infants. So imagine a child. What's your earliest memory? That's the, why? The Prophet gave it immediately the, the medicine. So whenever they were going through any tribulations, they recited. We're now middle-aged, most of us. Some of us probably don't even know it. So think about that. How far have we swerved? From the prophetic guidance that allowed it. So note, this is called the verse of Izza, right? The verse of honor. And Mufti Shafi get a beautiful elaboration as to why it's called the verse of Izza. Because it takes away all blemish from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look how beautiful. Surah Al-Bani Israel is one of the earliest and most beautiful surahs. And it finishes with that holy verse as if Allah wanted to crown it. In continuation, 
Indeed, the creation does not have even the strength to simply gaze directly at the majesty of the Almighty and glorious. Look how weak we are. We can't even look directly at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Consider the awesome scene of the burning bush where Musa wasalam, on that memorable night conversed for the first time with the Almighty and glorious. In Sahih Muslim, number 179, Ibn Majah, number 196, Sahih, Ahmad in his Musnad, 4-405, Mishkat, number 91. Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashari, radiyallahu, he relates that Abu Rabbah Messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his subhanahu wa ta'ala's veil is light. If he removed his veil, the light of his face would burn the sight of any of his creation who gazed upon him. The Prophet then recited this verse, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Surah Al-Naml, Surah 27, verse 8 of the Bismillah Rajim. Blessed is he who is in the fire and all who are around it. Glorified and free from all imperfection is Allah, Lord of all the worlds. So let's look at this. The first thing to point out is Rasulullah is talking about the veil of Allah subhanahu. He's not talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His veil is like his hijab. Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if he removed his veil, the light of his face. So this is important. Note that this light from his face is separate from the light of the veil. It's not the veil. If he removed his veil, the light of his face, subhanahu wa ta'ala, would burn the sight of any of his creation who gazed upon him. Now look how interesting. The Prophet then recited this verse. This is the meaning of this verse. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Blessed is he who is in the fire and all who are around it. Glorified be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of all the worlds. Why did the Prophet decide on this? That's talking about Musa So we need to go into this. In Nasai, number 11,537 is Hasan. Tirmidhi, number 3,279, Hassan Gharib. Hakim is Mustadrak Sahih. Mishkat, volume 4, page 186. Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu he said, Ra'a Muhammadan Rabba. Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saw his Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iqrimah asked, rahmatullah alayhi, but does not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? And he recited, Surah Al-An'am, Surah 6, verse 103. I sight cannot perceive him, but he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, perceives all vision. Doesn't Allah Ta'ala say this? Ibn Abbas responded, Waihaq, Dhaqa idha tajalla, binoorihilladhi huwa nuru. Woe to you. That is when he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, reveals his splendor 
with his light, which is his own light. I without the veils in place. وَقَدْ رَعَى مُحَمَّدًا رَبَّهُ مَرَّتَيْنِ Indeed, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw his Lord twice. <laughs> Let's look at this. So is this authentic? Yes. Imam Nasai, Tirmidhi, graded authentic. Hakim, graded sahih. So what did Ibn Abbas say which shocked his student? Ibn Abbas said, رَعَى مُحَمَّدًا رَبَّهُ Muhammad saw his Lord. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Ikrima, he thought that contradicted a verse. <laughs> so what verse did he think that contradicted? Surah 6 verse 103. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Eyesight cannot perceive him. La tutriquhul absar. Eyesight cannot perceive him. Wahuwa yudriquhul absar. But he perceives all eyesight, all vision. Ibn Abbas, what was his response to that? Wayhaq. Meaning you made a mistake. You commented upon, you think this is what it means. Dhaqa idha tajalla. Dhaqa idha tajalla. Binuri hilladi huwa nuru. Woe to you. That is when he reveals his majesty with his light, his own light, without the veils. وَقَدْ رَآ مُحَمَّدًا رَبَّهُ مَرَّتَيْنِ Muhammad saw his Lord twice. So now let's look at this. This is helping to explain the previous hadith. What did the Prophet say? The light of his face, subhanahu wa ta'ala, would burn the sight of any of his creation who gazed upon him. That is when there's no veils. You're looking directly at the beautiful face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet uh, Ibn Abbas, he said, the verse which says, eyesight cannot perceive him, but he perceives all vision. This is when he removes the veils. Mm. Then nobody can withstand seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then he said, but Muhammad saw him twice. Mm. In another report, Abdullah Ibn Abbas further clarified, that our beloved Messenger saw the Almighty and Glorious subhanahu wa ta'ala twice with his blessed heart. This is in Sahih Muslim, number 176, Tirmidhi, number 3281, Hassan, Tabari in his Tafsir, 31-37, Sahih, volume 4, page 186. So Abdullah ibn Abbas said he wasn't using his eyes, sallallahu alayhi wa He saw the Almighty and Glorious with his heart. The above initial Sahih Hadith in Muslim endorses the clarification of Abdullah ibn Abbas and Udus upon the verse. So what did the verse say? The first verse, the first narration I quoted. Amburika man finnar. Blessed is he who is in the fire. Ibn Abbas said, Man finnar who is in the fire, this is meant for the Almighty Allah himself. This is meant for the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. This is in Ibn Mardawih, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir, Ma'rifal Quran, volume 6, page 573 of the English translation. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Amburika man finnari wa man hawlaha, blessed is he who is in the fire. According to many of the Salaf, that's talking about Allah, he's in, he was in the fire, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa man hawlaha, those who are around it, 
I'll come to this. Similarly, Abdullah ibn Abbas and others, radiyallahu further clarified, this means holy is the one who is in the fire. This means holy is the one who is in the fire. This is in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir in their respected tafsits. Now another point. It is also important to point out this was not in actual fact a fire. It wasn't a fire. But an immense light. For Abdullah ibn Abbas said it was the light of the Lord of the worlds. It was the light of the Lord of the world, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir in their respective tafsits. So why is it called fire? Because it was so strong, it's more appropriate to use the word fire. But Ibn Abbas said it was actually an immense light. It was the light of Rabbul Alameen. For though the blessed tree seemed to be on fire, it was not burning. There's the proof. If you say that this is the burning bush, where's the ashes? Then a guy starts scratching his head, he goes, I don't know, it's not a fire. It looked like a fire. Abdullah ibn Abbas then went on to explain, Surah 27 verse 8, And all who are around it, this is in reference to the angels. This is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir in their respective tafsirs. Ma'rifal Quran, volume 6, page 572 of the English translation. So let's look at the verse. What did the Prophet say? Blessed is he who is in the fire. That's the light of Allah, the Almighty and Glorious. It's not a fire. And all who are around it, they are the angels. According to Ibn Abbas and many others. So now, with all that in place, we can go to the meaning. Mufti Shafi thereupon went on to make the following most important clarification. This is in Marif al Quran, volume 6, page 573 of the English translation. It is but obvious that fire is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an incarnation of the Creator into anything created by Him is impossible. I due to his majesty and greatness. This is absolutely against the concept of Tawheed, the oneness of Allah. So stop in the quote. So Mufti Shafi is explaining, don't make this silly mistake. Mm. Don't say Allah was in the fire. Because he doesn't enter anything. He's too great. Mm. Then he said, all it means is manifestation. Like the reflection in a mirror. Mm. The image is manifested in the mirror, but it is not transfigured into it. Mm. So when you see a person's reflection, are you actually looking at him? No. Mm. But you are actually looking, but it's a reflection. Mm. Because this is how to look at what's happening here. Mm. Then he said, It is also quite evident that this manifestation, refulgence, was not the refulgence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For if Musa had already witnessed the divinity, he would not have later requested at Mount Tur, O my Lord, show yourself to me. This is in Surah Araf, Surah 7, verse 143. For in that case, the divine reply, you cannot see me, would have been meaningless. To stop in the report. What is he now explaining? Did Musa see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 
The answer is no. Where's the proof? Because later, what did he ask? He goes, show yourself to me, O oh my Lord. Surah 7 verse 143. Allah the Almighty replied, you cannot see me. Then what's happening? Allah should have said, you've already saw me. In the burning bush. Then Mufti Shafi said, those it was not a refulgence of his real self. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those, what do manifestation refulgence really mean? What exactly did Musa witness? The answer to this is that this refulgence was figurative, which is commonly known amongst the mystics. It is rather difficult to comprehend it fully. So why am I mentioning all this? Whenever you talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you blow a fuse. That's what happens. Somebody goes, give me an example. Burning bush. Ask the person, what's happening there? He goes, oh yeah, Musa uh, went on Mount Tur. Yeah, what happened? And he saw a burning bush. Okay, what was the burning bush? Then he goes, Allah spoke to him. So what's the burning bush then? And then he goes, Allah spoke to him. So Allah is in the fire. He's lost. <laughs> Because he hasn't got the building blocks. <laughs> and look how the scholars explain it. Look how carefully they tread it. <laughs> it wasn't a fire. First mistake. <laughs> but the Quran calls it a fire. Yes. <laughs> Does that mean it's a fire? If it was a fire, why didn't the tree get burnt? Never thought of that. Right? And he goes, that's not first mistake. <laughs> Secondly, why is it then called a fire? Because of the immensity of the light. Who was within the fire? The Quran, the Hadith, Allah Ta'ala goes, He glorified be He who is in the fire. That's Allah. So, but does that mean He's physically in the? No, it doesn't mean that. It's a reflection of His Majesty. Nobody has the power to direct. Who are those who are around the fire? The angels. Something extraordinary was happening there. That was first contact with Musa. Imagine. His first contact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think about it, why do you think there's a surah called Tur, Mount Tur? Because that's the tree. Allah honors the place where he talks to the prophets. And just to add this, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited, Surah Al-An'am, Surah 6, verse 103. Eyesight cannot perceive him. He explained, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For when he reveals his light without the veils in place, nothing can withstand him. <laughs> this is in Tirmidhi, number 3279. Hakim in his Mustadrak, 2-3-6 Sahih. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Eyesight cannot perceive him. <laughs> Ibn Abbas said, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he reveals his light, meaning his majesty, his face, Nothing can withstand it. On another occasion to finish, when somebody had inquired from Abdullah ibn Abbas about this verse, he replied, Do you not see the sky? Don't you see the sky above? He goes, Indeed. He then asked, Can you grasp it? Can you perceive it in its entirety? He goes, No, of course not. Ibn Abbas said, Then indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most high is far greater and even more overwhelming. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3201, Ibn Jarir in his tafsir, 5-294, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, 2-216, 
Hafiz ibn Kaim in his Al-Wabil As-Sayyid, page 139 of the New English Translation. So what does the Quran say? Eyesight cannot perceive him. Doesn't it say see? Perceive. Perceive means to see the entirety. So Ibn Abbas said to the man, can you see the sky? He goes, can you see it? He goes, yes. Can you perceive it? He goes, no. He goes, Allah Ta'ala is far greater than these examples. So yes, seeing Allah Ta'ala, that is possible. Perceiving him is impossible. So note again, the Tarjaman of Quran is explaining. So to conclude, those that believe of the Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jama'ah is that Allah the Almighty, insha'Allah, will give us the opportunity and unparalleled honor of seeing His glorious self in the next life. Mm-hmm. Of course, perceiving Him is impossible. Mm-hmm. So when we see Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in paradise on the day of judgment, mm-hmm. we will never still perceive Him. Nobody can perceive Him. He is exalted above that. But seeing Him, that's the honor given to us. And how great is that honor? The Prophet wasallam said, the greatest blessing is to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the blessings will pale into insignificance. That is the ultimate. But even by seeing His Majesty, you haven't perceived it because of His greatness. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today was again taking a glimpse into the Divine Majesty and Mercy. We started off with the verse of Izzah, the verse of Honor. And notice how perfect the argument, Allah Ta'ala is free from all blemish. And then I mentioned the blessings of that holy verse and the dua which is mentioned with it. And then we, ne- we then discussed whether it is possible to see Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relevant passage which the Prophet recited was the burning bush, which is fascinating. Are there any questions?